You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello out there. Everybody, this is uh, is Matt Minnick here with Mike, Michael Rogner on the Tomahawk Nation Hoops podcast, doing an instant cast here after the South Florida win. Uh, this is this is episode number four, if you're still just finding us and want to go back and listen to the first couple. Um, Florida State just got an ugly 66-60 to 60 victory over the South Florida Bulls. Um, Michael, let me ask you this. How were you feeling at half? So it's 31-28 at the half, USF. How were you feeling at halftime? Yeah, I actually felt, I felt pretty good. It was, it, it, you could kind of see the second half coming. Florida State was getting a lot of uh, good looks in the first half, and they are missing everything. And, and, and they're a decent offense, not great. South Florida's offense is, is bad, and they were basically making everything they, they, they threw up. LaQuincy Rideau made some re- just ridiculous – shots in the first half so I was assuming that you know Florida State would be able to make a run in the second half which they did until that really weird um, you know sort of 11-0 South Florida run that was had a lot of weird things happening with it but but yeah at halftime I I felt pretty confident that we were going to get the get the win and it was about as ugly as you predicted you know in, in in the last pod I was thinking Florida State would have a little better time offensively than they did today but you know it is what it is yeah, I, I do not to I I don't even know if it's tooting my own horn or not because I frankly like you said I did predict it and I was nonetheless uh, nonetheless quite frustrated and annoyed with with the game I think I said sixty five fifty nine and it was sixty six sixty but um, it so was yeah I did I did <laughs> that's that's a loss right that's a loss. Right. Um, 
I don't know. I, I'll tell you this. When we get to the we'll, – we'll talk about that that 11-0 run in like a minute, in 10 seconds for USF in a, in a minute here. And, and I'll go ahead and let you know that you can click the little explicit button before uh, for the, <laughs> before you submit this podcast. And, and, folks, if you listen to this one during family dinner time, you know, gather around the radio and listen, uh, go ahead and get the earmuffs for your kids because I that one – that I, that's just part of a larger frustration of referees on my part. But um, it, it was 17 to four USF to start the game. And, and did it seem like Florida state was running better off it? Like they were running better sets and it was 17 to four USF. Yeah. I didn't really understand what was happening there. Florida state did rush a few shots. You know, you, you get down and the tendency is to do that. Vazell took kind of a bad three and, Raekwon Gray took like a, you know, 28 footer or something. But other than that, they were getting good shots and they just, they just couldn't make anything. I mean, they, they didn't make, um, you know, a, a shot where the ball actually leaves someone's hand until uh, I think it was um, Polite's layup with like 11-14 to go. Before that, Florida State had three dunks and a couple of free throws. Right. You know, and they didn't, they didn't actually make a jump shot until uh, Seven minutes. Yeah. Oh, was it really? Wow. Yeah, yeah MJ so MJ, Waller's three at the seven-minute mark. Yep. And then Trent's little runner at the end of the half was the first two-point jump shot that FSU made in the, in the whole game. Yeah. Yeah, it was – you know, and we've, we've talked about this before. We've written about it. We've talked about it. People – you know, basketball does have more of a home, I think, court advantage than football. That's just a, a, a personal observation. I think there's some stats that potentially back it up. But – uh, there, there's some stats over the years where in basketball, particularly in the ACC, home teams win about 60, 65% of the time. But it's not because – I think a lot of folks think of home court advantage, they think of yelling fans. And sure, fans can make a difference in hoops. You're right there on the court. It, it's largely because, uh, the, like baseball, the dimensions of a court, while the, the court itself might be the same, the background behind the the – the backboard behind the rim, uh, the sight lines, like what is what the players are actually seeing when they're taking shots are different for every court they go, they go into the lighting. Um, and I don't know, the announcers said we did a 7am walk through, jump through, uh, you know, jump shot practice. It looked like our guys were just totally baffled by what they were, what they were shooting at. Um, I, I will say that Anthony polite made a difference in the first half. Um, and, and this is the kind of stuff that we, right. I mean, you've talked about him before, Michael, with his defense and that defense turns to offense. Um, did you think that polite's you, you mentioned, we were just off air Vassell kind of didn't play as much. Was that a function of polite and maybe even Evans playing better than they have this year? Most likely yeah. polite polite played a really good game. Evans, you know, he played 12 minutes and he, and he did some really good things. I don't want to, you know, give too much props to a Division One basketball player for like peeing in the potty, but you know he right. did, he did, he did right. do some good things. He hit that long three. He he blocked a shot. He he got to the rim and got some free throws. So he he was definitely solid in his 12, 12 minutes. I thought MJ played a little better than maybe his numbers uh, suggest. I think you're right. Raquan Gray was got the second most minutes, which feels a little weird. I mean, he he did grab a bunch of rebounds, so that's good. And he always he always he always does just weird, good things, you know, but he, he also is pretty predictable and like putting up a bunch of bad shots 
and then Forrest, of course, you know, barely even came out of the game. So even with Raekwon Evans playing well, they were still leaving Forrest on the court because they just don't, they just, you know, don't trust this team without him out there. And in the last pod, we talked about Dom and Bolsa and how they've been coming along and, and their offensive rebounding. And, and it will be interesting to see what happens in conference play. Both of them barely impacted the game today. Bolsa picked up two fouls in the first two minutes of the game. Um, is this is this a concern? I mean, USF's not a conference game, and I'll admit that we shot particularly poor, but is what we saw today a concern, you know, as we move into January? Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the first half is a great example. It's like we had all these different lineups that they're putting out there. None of them were really working. All of them were kind of getting good looks and not making them, but it's, you know, it's clear that there's the lineup is nowhere near being set and we're getting pretty close to ACC play and, and you know, they're still really experimenting with all these different line, you know, lineup combinations. And it's, it's definitely a concern. You got you got to figure that stuff out and you know, sooner the better. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about, so the first half looked like good looks weren't falling. As you mentioned, USF had some just, I don't know, kind of throw it up there and it, when it, it dropped shots that made it, we get into the second half and it feels like it, despite Florida state actually seemingly unwilling to take the lead, they had several chances uh, there in the early to mid part of the second half to actually take the lead. And they seemed like they could only tie. They finally did take the lead at 47, 46. And then, um, you know, I, I don't even know where to, I don't know where to fucking begin with, with what the refereeing with what transpired over about a minute and a half stretch um do well, you, you might the, as well you might as well start with the first bad call yeah so you're talking about the the out of bounds right so do you have the play-by-play i think i've got the play-by-play up um with so it's 47 to 46 fsu there is a, a made free throw and then a missed free throw with uh let's see what we're at here with six nope i'm off here with uh 746 to go a missed free throw that leads to a scrambled the ball clearly lands hits a usf player as he's sitting slash laying out of bounds and it's and it's ruled out of bounds towards south florida it wasn't the first time in the game where there was a questionable frankly for both teams probably had arguments at several points during the games of an out of bounds call that went the wrong way that then led to what? What happened after that with the with the technical? Well, yeah. So the, the South Florida gets the ball. It's, it shouldn't be their ball, but they get it and they throw it into the back court. And it's there's pretty clearly a 10 second violation, and they they blow it and they don't call it. And so then um, Rideau is able to find a, a shooter who knocks down a three, and Hamilton, who's just watched the ball, you know, incorrectly given to South Florida and then a totally blown 10 second call says something and the refs double down and give them a technical, which is such just transparent bullshit that happens all the, you know, this, this is one of those calls that happens all the time. Like if you watch a lot of college basketball, yeah, not just Florida State, right? this happens all yep. the damn time. Exactly. A, a ref makes a really shitty call and uh, the coach complains about it and the ref turns around and tees him up which when we're we're dealing you know this is a this is a billion dollar 
industry and we have these part-time refs out there with chips on their shoulders and they're really bad at their job. There's, and I don't want to wrap up all refs in this because, you know, by the time you get to March, especially in a tournament, the most of the refs there are pretty good. But we go down to this just dumb game that we play every year at the at the you know the BB and T Center or yeah, whatever. Eighty seven fans in the stadium. The only yeah, good thing get, that comes out of it is that we get a neutral site win over, over for the net, which at least gives us a full credit win because home wins for the net are only point six of a win. So at least we get a full credit for a win. Uh, right, but you got to deal with with a floor that's slippery because it's playing over over ice, right. and you got to deal right. with these refs who are just you know. Our 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 buddy Josh, who who you know t- does a lot of work at TN, um, decided to look in, <laughs> and I don't want to go all conspiracy theory on this, but this is just you know interesting. This this ref AJ Desai, who made a lot of really shitty calls today, was yeah. Also, apparently, neither team could box out without it being a foul. Foul. Yeah, exactly. AJ I've, Desai just decided that you know contact on rebounds is a foul. Yeah, I've never I've never seen so many rebounding fouls in a game, especially ones that are just clearly not fouls. You know, for both teams. Right. But right. this this guy refed Wofford, North Carolina. Yeah. You know, so he, upset he, win for Wofford. Right. Exactly. He refed uh, uh, Boston College over Notre Dame, which he is refed, a hundred spot win on Ken Palm. Upset. Stephen F. Austin over Duke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and then Clemson and then, over TCU. Clemson over TCU. Yeah, he's just, it's 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 a little bizarre that this guy is refing in a bunch of really big upsets while also making shitty calls against um, the coach of the the heavily favored team today. But anyway, so that's my so, so he gets the t- so all right. So we went from a tie game with seven forty six to go to uh, they got a six point possession out of it between the the made free throw the three and then uh the two free throws after the technical so now it's 52 to 47 in uh less than 20 in 20 seconds of play that's that's a six point turnaround there we come down and and anthony polite misses a three i think he airs a three that leads to a run out uh made three by south florida to make it 55 47 and then a couple a possession late. There's a TV timeout possession later. We miss another three. Vassell misses it from the same corner, and it's a run out dunk. And now all of a sudden, it goes from a 47-46 lead with about 7:50 to go to a 57-47 deficit with 6:32 to go. We're, at this point in time, did did you feel like the game? Were you nervous about the outcome? Let me ask you that. Yeah, before that 11-0 run, I was I was feeling good about my prediction, which is the really important part of every game. And the Florida State was kind of making a run. It looked like you know we're we're gonna kind of put it on them, and then bam! All of a sudden, we're down 10. And you know, this is when fans overreact, and I'm definitely a fan. You know, I'm I'm, I'm thinking, all right, the game's it's over. Like we're down 10 with six. Who are we playing next? You know, directional Alabama school will beat them, whatever. Already thinking about getting into the ACC with a couple of out-of-conference losses. But as we've seen a bunch of times, um, you know, Ham's teams just stay focused and they keep playing. You know, this this is a weird time to talk about this because I know that, that this is like a minute after Hamilton got teed up. Yeah. But fans used to 
just give him endless shit for his demeanor on the sideline. Like right. he's just so calm right. at all times. Even when he's getting technicals, he's still t- he's still totally calm. You got a you got a technical against Indiana for smiling. Yeah, so, I, I remember he took off his jacket. This is probably a decade ago. He took off his jacket up in Cameron, and I think got teed up for for yep. putting the jacket uh, on the chair. <laughs> I remember that. And but but his teams maintain that same level of calmness down the stretch of games which we saw today which which there was no panic they just kept playing they and they you know did enough to to get the win yeah let's let's talk so it becomes a 10 point uh deficit in a hurry and and you know what this is what this is how basketball operates right basketball is inherently a game of runs uh, by both teams. And so, you know, I, people talk a lot about, um, you know, oh, Florida State has these stretches where they just don't score. And, and the reality is if you watch the amount of basketball that, that I watch or, or that you, you watch more than I do, I'm jealous of sometimes of your Pacific Coast uh, time zone there where you feel like you can stay up and watch all the late ones. Um, all teams have scoring droughts and, and all like basketball itself is a game of runs. But so we mentioned MJ Walker comes back and and it, he gets fouled shooting a three, which is a which is a stupid foul. Never, never want to even like just let the guy make or miss it. Once you've already been beat on the shot, either to prevent the shot from going up or let it be what it is. But gets fouled shooting a three. He makes two of the three, um, and then Patrick Williams, the next possession down, who who actually I did not play a very well, good game today. I, I thought he looked a bit overwhelmed in the first half. I just don't know if if again with a neutral side or too amped up but he gets a, a massive offensive rebound and put back uh so so it, it quickly is now 57 51 and and there's a little bit of life did you feel like the announcers did not say or they they insisted that south florida looked uh fresh they looked energized they did not feel that florida state's waves of substitutions and depth wore down south florida did you think that that was wrong did did south florida look like they made the kind of tired unfocused mistakes at the end of the game yeah the, the it, that was pretty obvious i mean the dawson kid he played 36 minutes which is yeah the most that, that he's played this year um he's by the way the guy who fouled mj on the three right yeah he's, he's a good player actually i, I like yeah him, but no but that's a tired foul right that's yeah that's exactly. a, you got beat mm-hmm. and you're diving instead of playing defense yeah, number thirteen, Justin Brown. He was also I don't I don't know if it was like his career high in minutes, but he was he was at thirty six. Rideau was thirty three, and that playing thirty three minutes when you're the point guard against Florida State, those are those are hard minutes, man. Yeah. It's it's like you're under so much pressure the whole the whole game. He turned it over six times, you know. So yeah, they, they were worn down, and I I wouldn't put too much on what the on what the announcers were. Were incorrectly saying shocker right that the, the yeah, announcers right. had it wrong um, yeah they only what, played six six guys basically that's that's know? what i thought they had yeah, they only uh-huh. played six guys six or seven what were florida i know trent played a ton and we got to figure out we got to figure out something to do with that because he can't with 20 acc games he can't average 38 a game but what were the rest of the guard this the minute split for fsu's guards uh let's see P- patrick played 25 polite 24 Walker twenty three, Vassell only seventeen, and that I don't know about that. I wonder if was it re- did the did the coaches really see something to limit his minutes like that, or was he was he is he battling the flu or something? Yeah, he made some big plays around. down. 
Yeah, he made some big plays going down the stretch, which was Yeah, he made that great. three with about four minutes to go to to really cut like that was the first time when you're like, okay, Florida State's back back, even though they were trailing kind of back in control of the game. Yeah, and, and there was the kind of late in the game where Trent drove and didn't have anything, and he found Vassell who stepped in and hit like a sixteen footer, and then immediately yeah. gets the gets the steal on the next, uh, yeah. you know, sort of sort of sidelines out of bound play. So yeah, he he and and MJ and Trent all just really stepped up in, in the final five minutes and, and made some plays. It was it was pretty clear which team wasn't the tired one. Well, and you talk about the final five. So that's the final five minutes of the game. You're exactly right. Devin makes a jumper with two oh one to go to take the lead. He gets the steal next trip down and and an assist up to Trent for a dunk uh, to make it a four point uh, lead. So here, here's a couple of stats we dug up. In the last four minutes and 20 seconds of the first half, 12-4 FSU run, and that includes the, the bucket at the layup by South Florida after uh, Florida State's defense forgot that there was still five seconds to go in the half. Um, and then the last four minutes and 30 seconds of the second half, 15-3 FSU run. So in the two, the last four and a half minutes of each half, it was a combined 27-7 FSU uh, advantage. Uh, to me, that screams uh, a team whose coach stays calm in those moments and, and the team uh, plays like their coach is exhibiting a demeanor, right? They, they just they stay calm on the court and believe that they are going to find a way to win the game. And because that's a team that over the last couple of years has found ways to win those games. And then to your point, that's a team whose guards have played 25 minutes and the other team's guards have played 35 minutes. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought when we were up four with about thirty five seconds left, and they had that. I think that's when this happened. Is that they had a Collins goes in for a layup, and he's surrounded by three Seminoles. Any one of them could have got the block, and I think Trent ended up getting the block. And you know, it sort of just epitomized, you know, what was happening late in the game. You know, one of the weird things. Spe- speaking of that block, is Florida State blocked ten shots, and South Florida was fifth in the country at not having their shots yeah. blocked. So that was a, that was a new thing for South Florida to see. We didn't we didn't regain possession on very many of them. I think only on two or three. But yeah, it skewed the rebounding numbers quite a bit. Uh, yeah, they had things they had, that the announcer was also wrong about. <laughs> yeah, they had they had ten team offensive rebounds, which I've never in my life seen. Yeah. I don't even know how that's possible. A couple yeah. of them were terrible Missed calls, but throws. yeah, it's just weird stuff happening. Um, and, and then the other, uh, we talked to before the game that both teams were great at turning opponents over. Uh, you mentioned in your preview that Florida state was, uh, is ninth in the country at turning it over. Um, and that USF was actually fifth in the country at generating turnovers, uh, Florida state defense, the clear upper hand in that today uh, generated turnovers on approximately 34%. Is that what the number we settled on with 70 possession game with 24 turnovers? So 34% of possessions ended with a USF turnover. Uh, If you're looking for a stat that shows why Florida state was able to win by six, despite uh, first half shooting that I don't know (laughs) was, was a shit show to put it bluntly. Um, I think that'd be a stat of, of what led to the win. All right. We are going to, uh, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to just very, uh, very briefly mention what does this mean in the overall scheme of things? What does Florida state have uh, on the docket coming up? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. 
This is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we are back. We just covered uh, Florida State's 66-60 to 60, uh, sandpaper rough uh, win over, over USF, but an ugly win is better than a pretty loss uh, any day of the week. So this brings uh, – what, what's, what's the record? We got – we're 9-2, uh, 10-2 now, right? But there's two conference games. So it looks like we play North Alabama uh, at home on the 28th. You got That's a win. So we're going to be 10-1. and one in the out of conference portion of the schedule, is that exceeding your expectations? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, I think in the, in the the sort of best case scenario, I picked two losses for out of conference. So super excited about the out of conference session. It's, you know, sort of tempered a little bit by that opening loss to Pitt, but I guess we're, you know, what, a month and a half past that now, so I can stop complaining. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. We'll get another chance to send them to the line uh, 65 times uh, coming up here later in the season. Um, yeah, I, I 10 and 1 is assuming we can go ahead and take care of our third directional school in a row, uh, this time North Alabama, um, is absolutely exceeding my expectation. I didn't think we could make it out of Emerald without a loss. The Emerald Coast Classic, mm-hmm. we, we managed to win two close games there. Again, guys – managing to stay calm under pressure in late game situations. Uh, the Florida win was, you know, unexpected at the time. And frankly, that speaking of shit shows that uh, that team is all over the map. Um, so let's go ahead and assume. So we're 10 and two, we're one and one in the conference. Uh, let's assume that we beat North Alabama uh, and Georgia tech on new year's Eve, which, which quite honestly, Robiner, you've talked in the past, you, that Georgia tech game, should keyword should at home be easier than the one we just played today um that would put us at 12 and 2 overall and 2 and 1 in the acc going into what really becomes the second half of the schedule that starts with at louisville uh on january 4th and and from there what what would fsu have to do to make the tournament well, you got to figure just going ten and ten in the ACC would be enough to get it done. The the ACC is is not a great conference this year. I mean, it's 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 better than than mo- almost all the co- conferences in college basketball, but it's you know it's not the powerhouse that it was last year and the year before. Uh, so ten and ten isn't quite as good as it would have been last year, but I think it's still plenty to get it to get it done this year, considering the the wins that Florida State already has under its belt and the amount that the the the, the you know the committee kind of puts on on those games is you know t- taking care of business away from home against good power conference teams yeah the, I, the I can't believe ratings. I just I can't believe I just said the phrase power conference I, I, I give people <laughs> shit all the time high major uh, is that what we're yeah. looking for high major yeah. teams yeah high uh, major there, power conference is a full, yeah. no go ahead go ahead 
I was just saying power conference is a football term, but yeah. So there's definitely not a P five, right? Uh, the big East is, is very, they're real in there. Well, I don't know about spectacular, but um, they are very much a power conference or a high major conference in basketball. You could argue the AAC uh, as well. The net rankings, which have recently been released this year, um, I think Florida State's hanging around 23rd before uh, this South Florida game, which which they should probably either stay the same or bump up again since it's a neutral site uh, win. I, no one actually knows how they come up with the net strength of schedule rankings. Uh, the NCAA decides that um, you know they don't want to be transparent with with their multi-billion dollar industry. Uh, but however they determine the strength, I, I got to figure it's similar to the RPI um, with a little bit of extra – efficiency built in there we have a top 10 strength of schedule right now for our out of conference schedule uh you combine that with like you said the wins against tennessee purdue at florida even though florida has struggled some they'll still rack up double digit wins in in a, in a down sec frankly um i'm with you i feel like basically if they just play 500 ball the rest of the way that is that is good enough to make the tournament uh, anything else for the, for the, we're going to do a full, uh, full pod maybe, uh, in a couple of days. So, so turn pr- before Christmas, tune in for that, but anything else for the road, uh, Rogner that you want to shout out about this game or the, or the upcoming barn burner against North Alabama? No, we somehow got through the whole pod without talking about the South, university of South Florida playing their only game of the year actually in South Florida. Right. So. Right. Yeah. They, they, they were they were rallying for the peeps, I guess. I heard they had at least three dozen fans down there, so <laughs> it was a uh, big turnout. Yeah, they were loud. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that'll do it for us then. Uh, I'm Matt Minnick. He's Michael Rogner, uh, and we will uh, we'll be back here in a couple days.